Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's the Team 980 and 95.9's NFL Draft Special, presented by GEICO. Here's your host, Al Galdi. Has happened. The Redskins have taken Ohio State edge rusher and DeMatha Catholic High School product Chase Young with the number two overall pick. The Chargers pick at number six is in. Do we want to go to that, CJ, live? It's uh, Justin Herbert. There we go. Crystal, <laughs> CJ will make the announcement. Yeah, Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, is the selection at number six for the Chargers. So much for L.A. just riding Tyrod Taylor in 2020. I know a lot of people, when that was reported slash was said, uh, received that with a skeptical reaction of, are they really just going to stamp Pat with Tyrod? You know, maybe they just use Tyrod for a year and then address quarterback with a high pick in 2021. But no, the Chargers have gone with Justin Herbert at number six. So now we've had three of the first six selections in this 2020 draft beat quarterbacks. Bengals at one go Joe Burrow. Dolphins at five go Tua Tungavailoa. And the Chargers at six go Justin Herbert. You know, the way it's been described with Herbert versus Tua, it's Tua is either a strikeout or a home run, and Herbert is like a solid single, you know, maybe a double, maybe more. In other words, Justin Herbert, lower ceiling, but higher floor as compared to Tua. Because, of course, with Tua, there's that injury concern. But Justin Herbert going sixth to the Chargers. The other pick so far, you had at three, Detroit taking the Ohio State corner, Jeffrey Okuda. You had the Giants at four, taking Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. And, of course, our Redskins at two go with Chase Young. Carolina Panthers now uh, on the clock at number seven. So much to like about Chase Young. We've been talking about it throughout the show. We've been with you since 7 o'clock. we got some phone lines open here at 301-230-0980. Your thoughts on the pick now that it isn't official? The Redskins taking Chase Young. Your expectations for what Chase Young can ultimately end up meaning to this Redskins defensive front. Toothpick is with us on this big night in Redskins Nation. What's up, Toothpick? Hey, what's good, uh, Al? I'm going to tell you right now, the top three picks all came from Ohio State. That tells you the type of talent that they have, where one, two, and three all coming from the same university, even though Joe Burrow went down to uh, LSU. But the Predator, period, hands down, about to make the NFC East quarterbacks tremble. You know, this this dude is about to unlock our whole offensive, our defensive front, and uh, help everybody get better. So, Iron, shopping iron, 
We're going to make our offensive line better every day in practice. So this is going to uh, do what it's supposed to do, which make our whole team better. Thanks for taking my call, Al. Appreciate it, man. You know, that's something I had not considered, what it could mean for the development of some offensive linemen. I guess that's something you have to wonder, you know, if it might be the case. You know, the Redskins so far have been very disappointed with what, what say, Jaron Christian has been. Third-round pick in 2018 at Louisville. Barely plays as last season goes on. Over the final four games of last season, Jaron Christian did not play on a single offensive snap in three of those games. The only game in which he saw offensive action was a game in which Morgan Moses suffered a knee injury. Point being, Jaron Christian, who by now you would hope, if at least is in starting caliber, is swing tackle caliber, uh, they couldn't even put him on the field last year. You know, dying games of a lost season, they wouldn't even put Christian on the field. Is a guy like Chase Young in practice someone, you know, in conjunction with some better coaching and with, you know, someone lighting a fire under Christian, maybe the kind of thing that can help to bring a guy like Christian along? You know, it, it is something certainly to consider. But yeah, the, the elevation aspect of Chase Young is what we keep coming back to because it's so key. It's not just about what Chase Young himself is going to do. It's what he can mean for the rest of that defensive front. Montez Sweat had a largely underwhelming rookie season. I think a lot of that was not on Montez Sweat. I think a lot of that was on the defensive scheme. How many times did we see Montez Sweat dropping back into pass coverage? Why is Montez Sweat ever dropping back into pass coverage. So thankfully now it's a 4-3 base defense, but what is Chase Young going to mean for Montez Sweat? Ryan Kerrigan is coming off the worst season of his NFL career, and not just because he got hurt for the first time in his career. He didn't generate sacks. You know, he had pressures last year. That's true with Kerrigan, but the sacks weren't there. It was by far his worst sack-producing season. Will the presence of Chase Young help to rejuvenate Ryan Kerrigan? You know, can Chase Young come here and take Jonathan Allen to another level? He's been good, but can he be great? Maybe we're about to see that. Same thing for Deron Payne. How much better can someone like Matt Ioannidis end up being? Matt Ioannidis has been such a pleasant surprise, especially from a pass rushing standpoint over these last few seasons. What might Chase Young mean for that? That's the excitement here, man. That's what I think has got all of us amped for something like this. And I don't think anyone's assuming all this is going to happen. We've been let down so many times as Redskins fans. So we're trying not to be delusional. We're trying not to be, you know, a bunch of saps who just say, well, okay, it's all good now. Like, no, got to see it. But I don't think you're wrong. And I don't think you're, you know, just some Joe fanboy. If you feel like this pick tonight is the start of something. If it's the start of this team, finally having a truly dominant defense, or at the very least, a truly impactful pass rush. I, I think you have a lot of reason to feel like that's about to go down here. I mean, think about all the first-round picks now with this defensive front. Young, Kerrigan, Payne, Allen, Sweat. I mean, how many other teams, I have to sit and look at it, how many other NFL teams have that in terms of one first-round selection after another Across essentially one position, the defensive line, right? Because in this new configuration, all those guys are defensive linemen. You know, that, that's that's pretty rare. That's pretty unique. And I know just because you go in the first round doesn't mean you are a first-round level producer, right? I mean, there are guys in the first round who play worse than guys taken in the sixth round. We get that. But these are talented guys. These are guys who came here with pedigree. And there are guys who kind of fall into the uh, the bucket of good but have they been as great as we thought they might be and maybe Chase Young is the guy who helps make those guys as great as they can be the Carolina Panthers pick is in so we'll be bringing you that selection coming up 
momentarily. Carolina Panthers at 7 uh, in this first round of the draft to be followed by Arizona. And then Jacksonville uh, with the Panthers. You know, again, these mocks are all over the place, but is this finally where Derrick Brown goes? You know, Derrick Brown, he might be, like we said, the guy who is most ready to play in an NFL game today, the stud defensive tackle out of Auburn. We're still waiting for Isaiah Simmons to come off the board. The jack-of-all-trades, the switchblade, uh, technically listed as a linebacker out of Clemson, but of course, he does so much more. Do we maybe start to see some receivers come off the board? Is this where one of the Bama guys goes? You know, Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs III, maybe another offensive tackle goes here. Tristan Wirfs is still on the board, so We'll see what the Panthers end up doing. Of course, they would seemingly be set at quarterback. And, you know, I don't think Jordan Love's going to go this high. Although, you know, you don't know. The the projections with him are all over the place. But the Panthers, they spent some pretty decent money on Teddy Bridgewater early in free agency. Of course, they just gave the big money extension to Christian McCaffrey. With the Panthers, though, there is not this immediate need, right, to win this year. Matt Rule was given that massive contract to come over from Baylor. Uh, This certainly appears to be if not a full-fledged teardown by the Panthers, they are in rebuild mode, okay? They are not in we-must-win-this-season-or-else. So we'll see what Ron Rivera's, right, his former employer, ends up doing here with this seventh overall selection coming up in mere moments. Of course, from a Redskins perspective, we'll still eyeing that number 10 spot with Cleveland. Roger Goodell has the pick. Can we go to that right now? Uh, Missed it. It's uh, Derek Brown, Auburn. Oh, okay. It is Derek Brown. All right. So the the beefy interior defensive lineman Derek Brown uh, ends up going seventh uh, to the Carolina Panthers. So Burrow at one to Cincinnati, Chase Young at two to the Redskins, Okuda at three to Detroit, Andrew Thomas at four to the Giants, Tua Tungavailoa five to the Dolphins, Justin Herbert at six to the Chargers, and Derek Brown at seven to the Carolina Panthers. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. We have Kevin on our special Redskins draft night coverage. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, guys. How you doing? All I can say is Chase Young is the sauerkraut on my Reuben sandwich. Reuben Foster <laughs> is the X Factor this year. Remember I said it. He is the sauerkraut on my Reuben. Reuben Foster will be the it factor this year. Our defense front seven will be top three in the league this year. I said it. I don't smoke no more. 12 years since I had a drink. He did. He will. <laughs> I love it, man. Thank you for the call. I'm glad you just brought that up. We have not mentioned Reuben Foster on tonight's broadcast. Great job by you. Technically, that's another first-round pick on this defense. It wasn't a pick made by the Redskins. But yeah, Reuben Foster was a first-round selection in 2017. And I think Reuben Foster, he might be the single biggest wild card for this Redskins defense in 2020. In terms of, you just have no idea, is he even going to be healthy for the season? We do not know. Remember, the devastating leg injury that he suffered at OTAs last year, it wasn't just a torn knee. There was also nerve damage, reportedly, that was suffered. And so it's been kind of a mystery. Where are we with Ruben? But Ruben Foster, if the knee is good enough and, you know, if the mind is in the right place, first-round talent. I mean, Redskins loved him going into that draft. Jay Gruden, I know for a fact, loved Ruben Foster going into that 2017 draft. And, you know, think about the Redskins, a linebacker, right? You signed Thomas Davis. You re-signed John Bostic. You have Cole Holcomb. You have Sean Dion Hamilton. You have Josh Harvey Clemens. So you've got options at linebacker. 
It's still rather unclear, though, isn't it? Like, who are your starting three? If, if you assume you start off in the base defense, which they don't always do, but, you know, just for argument's sake here, who are the starting three linebackers for the Redskins in 2020? You don't know right now. You know, you, it, it's uncertain. You got options, but you don't have certainty. If Reuben Foster is healthy and if the mind is right, is he not a starter? Doesn't he have to be just based on the talent alone? You know, so I, I think uh, that's definitely something that could end up being rather impactful for the Redskins. Now, you can't count on it. You know, you don't know. And the thing with Ruma Foster, too, is he's coming off that serious leg injury. He also had a hard time staying healthy during his time with San Francisco. So th- there are there is a little bit of an injury history now with Ruben Foster. But the talent cannot be denied. And uh, what he could end up meaning for that linebacking core, obviously, is something to be thinking about. Uh, from a Redskins perspective. Arizona Cardinals on the clock now. Uh, Their pick is in, so we'll be having that for you coming up momentarily. Derek Brown going moments ago to the Carolina Panthers at 7. Off Justin Herbert going at 6. So three of the first six picks in this first round of the draft end up being quarterbacks. We have had an offensive tackle go, but it was perhaps not the one you anticipated. A lot of talk about Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle going at four to the Giants. Giants instead, as Dave Gettleman is wont to do, surprise you a little bit, uh, Giants don't trade down, as had been talked about, and they go with Andrew Thomas, uh, the offensive tackle uh, out of Georgia at that number four spot. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. If you want to talk Redskins, if you want to talk NFL draft on what is a big night, uh, hopefully a night we look back upon rather favorably, uh, when it comes to Redskins history, you know, it's always funny. You play back the announcements of these picks, and sometimes you hear them, and you say, wow, that was such a great night. And then other times you hear them, and you're like, geez, that didn't work out so well. So years from now, we'll be able to look back upon Roger Goodell from his living room making the Chase Young announcement and uh, seeing what that ends up being. All right, pick is in for the Cardinals. They at eight go with Isaiah Simmons, the switchblade at a Clemson. He ends up going at eight to the Cardinals. So Isaiah Simmons now is off the board. Derek Brown goes at 7 to Carolina. Isaiah Simmons goes at 8 to the Cardinals. So probably two the two best front seven players after Chase Young in this draft, right? I don't hear too much argument against that. Those guys end up going here uh, within the top eight. So Isaiah Simmons at 8 to the Cardinals. You know, when the conversations were being entertained of should the Redskins trade added to, if they did trade added to, what would happen? And, you know, we all have had so many different versions of these conversations. But I know one of the ones that I had on Doc and Galdi was, well, if you trade added to and you really want, say, Simmons, can you go any lower than, say, four or five to get him? Well, he ends up going at eight. You know, Isaiah Sims, another guy who was kind of all over the place with these mocks. Some people had him as high as three. Others had him going at like nine or 10 or even outside the top 10. He ends up going at eight to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, it wasn't that long ago the Cardinals had the guy, uh, Dayon Buchanan, right? And he was kind of not all the rage, but I remember when the Redskins took Sua Cravens, if you remember this, a comp that people made was to Dayon Buchanan, this sort of hybrid defensive player, you know, a combo linebacker safety Isaiah Simmons is that and then some with the ability to play safety, inside back, or edge rush, or slot corner. How does he end up being deployed? I tell you what, the Cardinals are a great spot uh, for him to be in because this is a team with a forward-thinking head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. I know he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy, but I I think the key to Isaiah Simmons thriving 
in the NFL isn't, okay, we have to figure out what his position is, and then he just has to master that. The key to Isaiah Simmons thriving is you use him all over the place. You come up with a formula by which you can deploy him in these many spots, and you can extract as much production out of him as possible. You know, you think about maybe in some ways how the Chargers have used Derwin James. That's the key. So in other words, you need sort of an open-minded head coach or at least defensive coordinator. You need a big picture thinker. I think Kingsbury is that kind of a guy with the way he does offense, with how much he wanted Kyler Murray. So this would seem to be on the surface a good spot for Isaiah Simmons. He goes at eight to the Arizona Cardinals. Jacksonville Jaguars now uh, on the clock at number nine uh, to be followed by, yes, the Cleveland Browns at 10. And again, we'll see if the Browns go offensive tackle. If they don't, Cleveland, in theory, is uh, still in the mix there for Trent Williams. 301-230-0980. Leroy is talking skins on a big night. What's up, Leroy? My thing is that I was so scared that they would mock this up and pick that linebacker instead of the defensive end. Yeah. You What you just said, Al, earlier in terms of the X factor about the linebacker position, there's no question in my mind that this man is going to come back off of his injury and solidify the middle, the front end, and the middle of our defense, which is all we need. Because, hey, the defensive back has been getting burnt. Josh Norman got ran out of town because we had no pass rush and no real linebacker play. Mm-hmm. That's over now. Yeah. That's over now. 100% now. I so and hope really, you're right, man. I tell you what, if I was on a scout team, I would still consider asking Junior Gallette to come and play on. <laughs> I, I promise you he would do it. Track. I'm telling you. As I promise backup, you he would do it because uh, he's no, desperate no, to be back backup, in the league, this, yeah. No, just as, yeah, as a backup to this boy coming off injury. Because that was the key. That's what was, was really was going on with our defense. We had no pass rush and we had no real, real middle line back to play. So, like you just said, if he comes back off his injury, we're going to be fine. But who's his backup if, his, if he's not 100% off his injury? You have, like I said, so I, and thanks for the call, man, you have options, but you, you don't have a, a clear hierarchy, which is fine. You can let the guys compete to figure it out. Now, I would like to think between Thomas Davis, who can still play. Thomas Davis, I know he's ancient, but he's been very durable in recent years. And it sounds kind of funny because the guy suffered three torn right ACLs. But since then, since the start of the 2012 season, Thomas Davis, he's been a warrior. And last season, age 36 season, led the Chargers in tackles let all Chargers linebackers in defensive snaps. So out of Thomas Davis, John Bostic, Cole Holcomb, Josh Harvey Clemens, Sean Deion Hamilton, I'd like to think even if Reuben Foster isn't healthy, you've got enough to work with at backer in conjunction with better coaching from Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio to where you can make that work. But if, but to your point, if you're ranking those guys from a talent standpoint, yeah, I mean, Reuben Foster might be at the top of that list. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that. 301-230-0980 if you want to talk Redskins on this draft night, 2020. Jaguars on the clock off the Arizona Cardinals, having just selected Isaiah Simmons at number eight. Uh, Panthers going Derek Brown at seven. Of course, the Redskins going Chase Young at number two, the pick 
is official. That's funny. I'm sure you've seen a lot of this. Of and, and uh, my man just said it on the phones, but you know, I thought the Redskins would screw this up. You know, it's like there is still this mentality, and I get it. Look, until this team wins consistently, there's going to be this mentality. But this thing of you know, well, leave it to the Redskins to screw up the number two pick in a draft with Chase Young. Like I know, I get it. It's just kind of funny. Like, boy, you really got to be a doofus to screw this up tonight. Like this is pretty simple. You know, Chase Young at two, take him. He's from the area, and like let him dominate for years to come. So Redskins did not do that. There's new management in charge, and hopefully, it's a sign of things to come. 301-230-0980. We go back to the phones. Rick is with us here. How you doing, Rick? Oh, very, very happy tonight. Uh, you know, watching the Redskins over the last couple of years, you know, I, I thought when they got um, um, Josh Allen and then Ron Payne, they have some real good backups there. And, and of course, Matt Ioannidis. Those are really special players in the middle there. Those are run stoppers and and they give a good collapse of the center. And, and, but they didn't have – they had okay defensive ends. I mean, Kerrigan's a very good defensive end. He could rush the passer well. But nobody was elite to the point of the top of the game, but good ones. And, they, and the other side, they, they got uh, sweat on the other side. And, and he has great potential, really good athlete, fast, but not developed all the way. But now you put it together with, with someone that's a, uh, one of the top, uh, you know, that we, we've seen in years. And you yeah. add that into the mix, so you got Edge, you know, um, an amazing line. You start off with that, and, you know, the Redskins were in games last year at the beginning, first couple quarters, most of the time, I could see. They stood up to most of the team, but they collapsed at the end. Now, now you have a rotation in there, and, and you have good, real good backups, too, with Caleb Brantley and also Tim Settle, special players, the big, big guys, 320 and up, big, strong, big, strong, fast guys. So, in my mind... I think we're just not going to be a six and ten team. I think we could eight and eight or even better, in my imagination. Even a, even compete with the NFC East with the other guys top of the line. Now it, a lot depends on the offense and what happens with, from where you... you know, that kind of stuff with like tackle. Yeah, yeah. Right. Appreciate like the call, that. man. Okay, thank thanks. you very uh, much. Jacksonville's pick is in at number nine. C.J. Henderson, uh, the corner out of Florida, has been selected by the Jaguars at number nine. So the second defensive back uh, to go in this draft, assuming you're not going to consider Isaiah Simmons a defensive back, but C.J. Henderson, the the Gator, the corner out of Florida going at number nine. Jeffrey Okuda, the other uh, defensive back who's gone in this draft, Detroit taking him the Buckeye uh, at number three. Yes, and you just sort of made me think of something that has remained a mystery for all of us as Redskins fans, and that is why their run defense has continued to be abysmal even with the additions of guys like Allen and Payne and Ioannidis and Sweat and even Landon Collins and Ryan Anderson in recent years. That's been a real mystery that I have never really seen a lot done on in terms of why is this the case. So if if you look at the Redskins, they've had two real consistent problems on defense. Like if you're breaking it down, the first one is third downs. But the second one is stopping the run. The Redskins, believe it or not, from a pass rushing standpoint, especially this past season, were actually pretty good. Redskins were top 10 in the NFL in sacks this past year. I know it doesn't feel like that was the case, but it was. But for years here, stopping the run has been a real problem. And that has continued even with, again, drafting Allen and drafting Payne 
and drafting Sweat and drafting Anderson and again signing Landon Collins, who is, you know, this in the box safety who reputedly is very good against the run. And no one has really had a good theory. I've never really seen a good breakdown for why this is. Like, are these guys just not good against the run? Is this a schematic thing? You know, I know run defense isn't all about your defensive front. You know, it, it has to do sometimes with how you tackle and defend at the second and third levels. But, of course, to get to the second and third levels, you must first get past what? The first level. And the first level stoppage has not been there nearly consistent enough. So I'm hoping it's more schematic in coaching than anything else. And, again, Del Rio and Rivera here and the switch to the 4-3 is all going to help change that. I know they're not in the base defense a ton. But some of the big runs the Redskins do give up uh, do come in base defense situations. So even if you're only in your base 30% of the time, if that 30% of the time you're giving up a good chunk of yardage on the ground, then going to the 4-3 may help to change some of that. But, you know, we've, we've gotten into the linebacker discussion here the last few minutes. You've obviously brought in Chase Young, who, by the way, is known to be not just a fierce pass rusher, but a guy who can be stout against the run. You know, again, no perceived weakness with him. Can Chase Young come here? And maybe that's going to be the ultimate measure of Chase Young. Can he finally make what has been a glaring weakness for this team for years? Stopping the run. Can he finally make that something that isn't so bad? You know, especially in this division. Let's get the Browns pick. And Ezekiel Elliott. You you got to figure that out. Let's get the Browns pick. Browns pick is in, CJ. We go to that. We're We're very proud to support you and St. Jude in the fight to end childhood cancer. And we're all in your corner, Fletcher. Go get them. So I have the Browns pick with the 10th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Cleveland Browns select Jedrick Wills, tackle Alabama. I hope you like. All right. So another offensive tackle has come off the board, and it is Cedric Wills out of Alabama. So we had. Andrew Thomas going to the Giants at four. And Jedrick Wills now, the offensive tackle uh, out of Alabama, goes at number 10. This is huge. Yes, Cleveland. This is huge. So the Browns go offensive tackle at 10. And that seemingly takes Trent Williams to the Browns in a Trent Williams reunification with Bill Callahan off the table. That may be massive Redskins-related news, a massive Redskins-related development here. Jedrick Willis Jr., the Bama offensive tackle, uh, going at 10 to Cleveland. And so, I mean, barring the unforeseen here, Trent Williams to Cleveland is not happening. And man, is this saga about to continue beyond draft weekend? We know there are other potential destinations. Minnesota, like we said earlier, Les Carpenter, the post, had the Eagles as a potential spot, though that was refuted by Pro Football Talk. But unless Cleveland is planning on trading Jedrick Willis, and I don't know Wills, why I don't know why you would, uh, this would seemingly take Trent Williams to the Browns off the board. Man, what has happened with this Trent trade situation? I mean, can the Redskins just not get anything close to what they want? You know, we, we had the rumblings on the internet what a night ago of there was a deal in place. Redskins and Browns, Trent to Cleveland. Redskins get back a third or a fourth this year and a second rounder next year. Seemingly, that ain't happening now with Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle out of Bama, uh, going to Cleveland at number 10. 301 Keep the feedback coming to on Twitter at Al Galdi. We are brought to you by Geico, our exclusive Redskins draft night coverage on your home for the Redskins. 
the Team 980, 95.9 FM, 980 AM, and the Team 980 app. It's the Team 980 and 95.9's NFL Draft Special, presented by GEICO. Here's your host, Al Galdi. All right, so this is a big night from a Redskins perspective, but we did just get some news that I don't want to call it a buzzkill, but it's definitely not good news from a Redskins perspective. The Cleveland Browns at 10 just took Jedrick Wills Jr., the offensive tackle out of Alabama. That would seem to remove the Browns as a potential trading landing spot for Trent Williams. So that was kind of the secondary storyline in terms of the actual draft picks tonight. After what the Redskins do at 2, it was what do the Browns do at 10? Do they go offensive tackle? And they just did. Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Bama going at number 10. Uh, In this first round, Joe Burrow going, of course, first to Cincinnati uh, at 1. You had the Redskins going young at 2. You had Jeffrey Okuda, the corner out of Ohio State, going at 3. Three of the first six picks end up being quarterbacks. Miami at 5 goes Bama quarterback to Atunga Vailoa. Chargers at 6 go Oregon quarterback. Justin Herbert, but that's the big latest item. The Browns go Jedrick Wills Jr., Bama offensive tackle at 10. And so the dance, it appears, shall continue. Now, maybe the Redskins have another trade in the works here. We don't know, so we're not going to start, you know, uh, jumping off buildings here from a trend standpoint. Like, let's see. Let's not overreact to one pick, but it's not a good thing that Wills Jr. goes at 10 uh, to the Browns. How about this? This nugget uh, just coming out. From ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, tonight's draft is the first time since 2015 that not a single team traded its draft slot in the top 10. That's become kind of a fait accompli in recent years. There's some kind of a trade-up at some point. Uh, Many times it's been in the top five, right? And almost every time it's been for a quarterback. But this year, and I don't know if it was the nature of the draft in terms of the actual players, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the virtual setup of this thing to where tonight is not a night to be working out trades with this virtual setup with the 10 minutes between picks. Like, I felt all along, if you were going to do a big trade-up, you had to do it before tonight. And in fact, Ron Rivera the other day told Skins insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times, if the Redskins were going to trade that number two overall pick, they were going to do it before tonight. In other words, they were setting kind of this unofficial deadline of if we don't have a deal done by Thursday or by Thursday night, we're not trading that number two pick. I just think if you're a team, right, and you got your head coach in his home and your GM in his home and your cap guy in his home, it's hard to have to rush at the last second to try to evaluate a trade offering. It's better off get the deal done on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday instead of doing it uh, in the midst of things. So I guess that in conjunction with maybe just teams liking the players available, like we said, this feels like a draft that we could end up looking back upon very favorably in terms of, you know, it being top-heavy and top-heavy successful. And, you know, especially like the top five, we have not had a trade in the top 10 for the first time tonight since the 2015 draft. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. Anyone want to talk Redskins? have added anyone have uh, thoughts on you know not just Chase Young right I mean everyone likes to pick but what you think that could end up meaning uh, for the Redskins what the kind of impact you think he could end up having on the defense you know I've gotten some feedback tonight people saying you know you guys are talking up uh, Chase Young too much you got to calm down with this I get it you know I mean if you're not gonna get excited tonight when are you gonna get excited but you know maybe the expectations are too high 
But you know what? When a guy is being talked about like few edge-rushing prospects have ever been talked about, I think it's okay to dream the impossible dreams. I think it's okay to discuss what Chase Young can mean, not just himself, but what he can mean for his teammates, for those around him. Like, that's what a number two pick is supposed to be. You know, don't be shy with this. Don't be bashful with this. You have a number two pick on a guy who's being described over and over again as generational. Like, yeah, the the standard should be high on something like that. All right, the Jets are up next at 11, and the Jets pick is in. And the Jets selection, as it is being read by Roger Goodell, is Makai Becton, the offensive tackle out of Louisville. So the anticipated run of offensive tackles is starting to materialize here. Tristan Wirf still has not gotten picked. I was talking with CJ during the break. He brought up, he said, isn't Wirfs more of a right tackle than a left tackle? He's played both, but actually this past season, yes, he did play more right tackle than left tackle. So maybe that's having something to do with Wirfs uh, not going so far. He had some people having Wirfs going in the top five. Uh, he has yet to come off the board, but Makai Becton, the offensive tackle out of Louisville, ends up going to the Jets off Jedrick Wills Jr., the offensive tackle out of Bama. Uh, going to the Browns at 10. Don't forget the Giants at 4 took Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle, out of Georgia. 301-230-0980. And by the way, we haven't made this point yet on the air, but it should be obvious by now. That's a matchup now for years to come, right? In theory, Chase Young versus Andrew Thomas when the Redskins face the Giants. James is talking skins with us here on this draft night 2020. What's up, James? Oh, thank you for taking my call, sir. Hail to the Redskins. You know, Chase Young, man, he definitely brings a lot of depth to the uh, – he's going to bring excitement, but he has so much depth to that offensive uh, – that defensive line, man, with the number one pick. So it's time for them to step up, man, on the defensive line. But uh, sadly to say, as much as I love the burgundy and gold, man, there's so many holes I hope they try to fill throughout the weekend, man. Middle linebackers are question. The secondary is going to be no name. So the defensive line is going to be big, man, but there's a lot of things in the offensive line's question marks. Man, you hope to see something, man. This is this is a building process, man. So, but if if they can come in and, and and put pressure on the quarterback, anything's possible in the NFL, man. But it's a building process, y'all. Love to pick Chase Young. Hail to the Redskins. Have a great night. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, it is a building process. You were right about that. But you also have to keep this in mind in today's NFL, when a new regime takes over. It shouldn't take more than, say, two years to get things to show tangible results. I'm not going to say one year, but you even see that happen a lot now, where if the right people are in place and they make the right initial decisions, you can go from really bad to really good really quick. You know, gone are the days of, like, the five-year rebuild or even, like, the three-year rebuild. I mean, again, if you got the right people there and they're making the right calls – the notion of going from, say, 3-13 and 13 last season to, say, 9-7 and seven in 2020, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, it's not easy, okay? And I'm not saying I'm projecting that right now. I'd have to think about things a little bit with that. But if the defense gets improved greatly, like I think it could, if Dwayne Haskins takes a giant step forward, which is possible, there's no reason the Redskins couldn't go from 3-13 and 13 to 9-7. and seven. So, yeah, I mean, and Ron's been pretty clear about this, right? Like, it's not going to happen overnight. He keeps saying that over and over and over again. But, I mean, just follow the NFL. Like, just all, in fact, look at this. Look at the recent NFC champions, the recent NFC representatives in Super Bowls. Almost all of them are representative of relatively quick turnarounds. 
teams that changed coaches and within a few years ended up being really good. Like, again, if, if you're doing things the right way, if you've got things going in the proper direction, what ends up happening is that you get really good really quick. Like, the, okay, the 49ers, right? The 49ers had four straight double-digit loss seasons before going 13-3 and and winning the NFC Championship this past season. And the turnaround might have happened sooner if not for the Jimmy Garoppolo, in, uh, Garoppolo injury for 2018. You look at the Rams. Rams went 4-12 in 2016 under Jeff Fisher and John Fossil. Went 11-5 in 2017 in Sean McVay's first season as head coach. 13-3 and NFC champions in 2018. Philadelphia Eagles, back-to-back 7-9 seasons in 2015 under Chip Kelly and Pat Shermer and 2016 and Doug Peterson's first season as head coach. What happened in Peterson's second season? 13-3 and and a Super Bowl 52 victory. Even the Falcons, they can keep going back with this. Falcons had back-to-back double-digit loss seasons over Mike Smith's final two years as head coach in 13-14. and Went 8-8 eight and eight in 2015 in Dan Quinn's first season as head coach. Then went 11-5 and five and won the NFC Championship in the 2016 season. So the point is, just look your recent NFC history and what you see are quick turnarounds where by year two, these coaches are showing tangible results. And I do expect that here with Ron Rivera. And if we don't have that, then I think it's fair to ask questions of where exactly are we? And it won't necessarily mean the regime isn't working, but it's not wrong to sit here and feel like by 2021, the Redskins should be a playoff caliber team, if not sooner. Let's get to Walter talking skins. What's up, Walter? Mr. Go- Good evening, Mr. Goatee, and how sweet it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, By the way, Raiders just took Henry Ruggs III, the Alabama receiver, uh, with pick number 12. Continue, Walter. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Chase Young is a sure thing. And the way he plays, I look at him like Vaughn Miller and a little bit of Khalil Mack. But back in the days, do you remember Derek Thomas, the old Kansas City uh, defensive end? Oh, yeah. I mean, if Chase Young can create havoc, and you got a front, their front, they are going back to the 4-3, it's going to take a matter of time, but this defense is going to be a lot better than it was. And with Ron Rivera, and we remember he was with that Bears tree with Singletary and Dicka and Ryan. This should be a much better defense than it has been. I'm just looking forward when I hope he has number 56. A little bit of, well, not Lawrence Taylor, but a little bit of that destructive. It, he will be a major impact, but it'll be a day when he becomes a all-pro as a rookie and could be a rookie defensive rookie of the year. It's going to be more sweet. You have a good night. Thank you, and bye-bye. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. 301-230-0980. Just to catch you up with the latest in the first round of this draft, we are down now to pick number 13. It is San Francisco. There's a lot of talk in recent days of the Niners trying to move off at least one of their two first-round selections. Uh, Again, no trade so far in this draft. Every team has stood pat. Uh, Real quick, the wrap-up here. Cincinnati goes Joe Burrow at one. Redskins, of course, Chase Young at two. Detroit, Jeff Okuda at three. Giants, Andrew Thomas at four. Dolphins, Tua Tungavailoa at five. Chargers, Justin Herbert at six. Carolina, Derek Brown at seven. Arizona, Isaiah Simmons at eight. Jacksonville, C.J. Henderson at nine. 
Cleveland goes Jedrick Wills, an offensive tackle at 10, perhaps eliminating the chance for the Skins to trade Trent to Cleveland. Jets go Makai Becton at 11, and the Raiders, like we just said, just went Henry Ruggs third receiver out of Alabama at 12. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Al Galdi. I'm getting some uh, feedback from some of you guys saying, hey, hold on, Jedrick Wills is a right tackle, not a left tackle. You're right, but I would point out two things. Number one, you don't normally spend a top 10 pick on an offensive tackle for him to play right tackle. It does happen. It's not unheard of, but normally if you spend a high pick on a tackle, it's to play the left side. And the way Jedrick Wills has been evaluated, if you read up on it, uh, he was a right tackle at Bama. You're not wrong in saying that. But there is a belief that he could play the other side and that he would be just fine. Like Darryl, Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is one of the better NFL draft analysts, he's talked about that. How, yes, Wills was a right tackle at Bama, but he's got the ability to play on the opposite side. Now, you're right. Maybe Cleveland is viewing Jedrick Wills as a right tackle and Trent is still in play. That's why I keep saying seemingly, because we don't know with certainty. But, you know, just sort of reading the tea leaves, it certainly would not seem to be a good thing in terms of the likelihood of the Redskins being able to trade Trent Williams to the Cleveland Browns. 301-230-0980. Al Galdi with you. We are brought to you by Window Nation, our exclusive Redskins draft night coverage here on your home for the Redskins. 95.9 FM, 980 AM, and the Team 980 app. And John is up next with us. How you doing, John? Hey, what's going on, Galdi? Hey. Hey. Um, man, yeah, I, I always I love listening to talk because uh, – you hit like all these nails on the head while I'm sitting here to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm really glad the skin didn't screw this up. You know, like, like I'm glad they didn't trade back. I'm glad they grabbed the number one player in the draft that, that we deserve. And like, just in scheme wise, I think it's really going to help out. Like you were talking earlier about middle linebackers. Um, I think it's going to help out that squad. That's kind of like, you know, a Motley crew of, you know, old and young in there with Clint Holcomb and everybody else. But then I think it's going to help our secondary too. Like young guys we have back there, like Moreland and everything. Like uh, if, if, we're, if we're putting pressure on the quarterback, it's going to make people scheme against us differently. You know, I think it's going to really help those younger players develop on the back end and our DBs. Um, I think it's also going to take a lot of pressure off of Haskins and not having a lot of, I don't know what's going on with OTAs and everything during, or lack of training camp or whatever is going to happen with what's going on with us. But I think it's going to help Haskins also. You know, just the fact that he has a strong, strong defense is again getting the ball back. Um, I think is super important. You know, um, the the one thing I, I will that I do want to ask is, so let's say we don't get a number two draft pick here, like mm-hmm. depending on what happens with Trent Williams and everything. Where's our next position of draft? You know, I know you don't you draft the best player or position, but you got to go offense on this, right? We need a tight end. We need a receiver in there. We need something. Okay, thanks for the call, man. I think, like you said, yes, you start with the uh, the BPA approach, the best player available approach. And I think you always let that kind of be your guiding light. But if you're saying what are the positions of most need right now for the Redskins, right? So, yes, you're right. There's more of a need on offense than defense. Uh, I would put it to you like this. Tight end, offensive tackle, receiver, corner, safety. Uh, not necessarily in that order. I'd have to think about the order. But I think those are like the ones that jump out the most. On offense, you've got to get a tight end in this draft. Now, it does not have to be tomorrow night. It can be on day three. But they've got to get someone with upside at tight end. 
I know they like Logan Thomas. You know, I know Ron Rivera talked about Richard Rodgers as every time the Panthers played the Packers, Richard Rodgers, or every time the Panthers played Richard Rodgers, Richard Rodgers uh, tore up the Panthers. But these are guys with not a lot on their resumes. Now, maybe in this Scott Turner offense, those guys end up producing. You know, you got to be open-minded with this stuff. But the Redskins need a tight end with some upside here. And so I hope on at least by day three, they bring in someone like that. Right now at tight end, I mean, you know, you got Logan Thomas, Richard Rodgers, Marcus Ball, Hale Hentges, Jeremy Sprinkle. I mean, again, maybe we get pleasantly surprised, but you need a guy with some talent and some real upside at that position to me. So I think that's where you start on offense. You could certainly use some help at receiver, although at receiver, at least you got McLaurin and you got Steven Sims. So it's not like you're barren at receiver. But on offense, assuming Trent is gone and not playing for you, offensive tackle is the thing. Yes. Uh, and it's not just a starter, too. Like, I know a lot gets made of who's going to replace Trent. The Redskins need depth at offensive tackle. They need to replenish the well at offensive tackle. This Christian thing is not a small deal that it hasn't worked out with him so far. Now, maybe new coaching, new regime, he lights a fire under him and he's better. But they need not just a starter at left tackle. They need depth beyond whoever ends up starting for them at the tackle spots. Now, they signed a guy, Cornelius Lucas, so hopefully he's going to help provide some of that depth. But that's been an issue for the Redskins. You know, for all the things that went wrong last year, one thing that went right was that the Redskins again enjoyed, or the Redskins enjoyed great health at the offensive tackle spots. Donald Penn held up all year, and Morgan Moses held up all year. I know it doesn't always feel that way because he seems to get hurt every game, but he does not miss games. He starts every game. It's one thing about Morgan Moses. I know the penalties drive all of us crazy, but he posts every week. They're lucky in that regard. What if Donald Penn had gotten hurt in week four? Then what would have they done? Again, they're down on Christian. What would they have done? Who would have started for them at left tackle as last season went on? So I I think that's where you start. And on defense, back end, right? You need depth and safety. You could certainly use some more help at corner. 301-230-0980. Chase Young is going to be joining us coming up over the next 20 minutes, so we are super pumped for that. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we have this report from Les Carpenter, Skins Insider of the Washington Post. Like I said, we're going to keep you updated on everything happening uh, with the Redskins here uh, throughout the night. So as, as stuff comes across, we will pass it along to you. So uh, here is this from Les Carpenter uh, of the Post on the Skins. He says, the Redskins were so settled on Young that they turned down at least two significant offers from teams looking to trade for the second overall pick in the past week. A person familiar with the offers said Thursday, one of those teams was offering draft picks as well as a top player who wanted to be traded from that club. The person who did not identify the two teams said that the player the Redskins coveted most after Young was Ohio State cornerback Jeff Okuda and that the team might have been more open to a trade if it could ensure it would land Okuda after moving back. The Lions drafted Okuda with the third overall pick Thursday night. Uh, Fox Sports reported Thursday that Washington rejected a move by the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, we talked about that uh, over the course of the broadcast day on Thursday, that Jake Laser report last night that the Falcons had been angling to move up as high as number two to get Chase Young. So, you know, I know some of the conversation have been, is a team going to be willing to give up major assets to trade up to take a non-quarterback? We've seen it happen before, but sparingly. But you think about Julio Jones, Ricky Williams, and the answer is yes with Chase Young. He was worthy of that. The Falcons are trying to do that. The Redskins said no. But how about that from Les Carpenter? Now, the Okuda thing had, had, I believe that had come out before that the Redskins liked Okuda. I mean, how could you not? He was viewed 
as the best corner in this draft. But how about that? A massive hole was turned down by the Redskins for that number two pick. And part of the reason was that the Redskins weren't sure they'd be able to get the other guy they really liked in Okuda. And it turns out they were right. Okuda ended up going uh, at number three to Detroit. And the other interesting nugget there that Carpenter has is that there was a high-profile player, a top player who wanted to be traded from that club. I mean, the obvious thing that comes to mind, right, is Yannick Ngakwe of Jacksonville. But Jacksonville had the number nine pick. Is that what we're talking about here? I mean, that, that that's the most probably, right, the most prominent, high-level, non-Redskins player right now who's available via trade, at least as best as we can tell, is Ngakwe. So we don't know the identity of the team nor the player, uh, but there was a high-profile player somewhere who was talked about as maybe being traded to the Redskins tonight. Uh, but the Redskins, mostly because they love Chase Young, but in part because they weren't sure about whether they could get Okuda, end up standing pad and taking Chase Young at number two. We had, All right, uh, uh, first round. We had our first draft. trade of the night, Galdi. Oh, we do. What do we have? We had Tampa coming up to San Francisco's spot. And Tampa, in another move potentially affecting uh, Washington here, takes Wirfs, takes Tristan Wirfs. So okay, so he's Tom off Brady the board getting now. a tackle there at the number 13 with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Wow. So the Niners are back. What they got, uh, what were the Bucks? Were the Bucks at to 14? Yeah, yeah so they I think moved they back one. Niners are yeah. now at 14 and 117. Okay, so the Niners go down one spot. This is what the Redskins did in 16 with the Josh Doxson pick. They traded down the one spot, and the Texans got Will Fuller. So the Bucks get Tristan Wirth. So, yeah, you're right. The Bucks were another team that had come up as maybe being a uh, spot for Trent, although the Bucks lacking cap space, it was not seen as likely. But, again, with cap space, see, I was remember this at cap space. You can make just about anything work from a cap standpoint if you really want to. So I don't know to what extent the Bucks were in play for Trent, but they were a team that had certainly come up. And the Bucks now take, like you said, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle out of Iowa at number 13. So not until we get to the teams do we get our first trade uh, in this draft uh, of 2020. And the run on offensive tackles, man, this draft, at least from a standpoint of how it's playing out, uh, is bearing out this notion of it being an offensive tackle-rich draft. Giants went Andrew Thomas out of Georgia at 4. The Browns went Jedrick Wills out of Bama at 10. The Jets went Mekhi Becton out of Louisville at 11. And now the Bucks trade up to 13 to trade Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. So three of the last four picks have been offensive tackle selections. And the most significant one, it seems right now, is the Browns having gone Jedrick Wills at number 10. 301-230-0980. If you want to talk Redskins, you can. Do not forget, the Predator will be joining us coming up in minutes as we will cap our draft night coverage on a high note. Chase Young due to join us coming up momentarily. We are live. It is great to be with you. The Redskins taking Chase Young at number two overall. San Francisco now on the clock at spot number 14 in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. We are brought to you by Geico. Al Galdi, we are coming right back on your flagship home for Redskins football, 95.9 FM, 980 AM, and the Team 980 app. 